0: Good morning, everybody. Good morning. How's everybody doing with that less, uh, or that hour less of sleep? Yeah, I know. I feel the same way. Well, I can experience that song that we just sang firsthand back uh, almost three years ago uh, at midnight. Never forget it. All of the family gathered around my dad. He was getting ready to go home to be with the Lord. And we sang, what a day that will be. And we had finished the song, and all of a sudden, and I have it on on my my phone, my dad blurts out, what a day that will be, and we had to sing it again. So he, on his deathbed, he was singing praises to the Lord. Well, I know that some of you are anxiously awaiting where the trip's going to be this fall. Some of you don't care. That's okay. I'm going to tell you anyway. Well, the votes are in, and it was close. It was very close. And uh, in fact, one vote, well, this this trip won by about five. Then the other ones were really close within one. So all, all four of them, everybody liked. But we're going this fall, October the 13th through the 19th, we are going to Washington, D.C., the Bible Museum, Museum of the Bible, and then we're going to go to... Uh, Billy Graham's uh, library in Charlotte North Carolina uh, with a few other things there'll be information coming out in the weeks ahead but that's where we're headed um, and so those of you that said I want to go well now it's time so we're going I'm going to do my best to keep the cost low um, and we're working on a lot of different things right now and so we're looking forward to a great time this fall but put your count cal- on your calendar October 13th uh, through the 18th 19th somewhere in there depending on what we need to do. If you have your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter 5, and I'll get there in just a minute. Then we'll, I'm going to read a longer passage in Proverbs later on in my message. But over the last few weeks, we've been looking closely at 1 Timothy 4, verse 12 and the five areas that the apostle Paul instructed Timothy to follow. Whether he was a young man or young in the ministry, it didn't matter. Paul said, I want you to follow these five things, and we've been going over these five things. Today is the conclusion of all of this. And so we've looked at those first two, which were inward qualities, the things that you can see immediately, And then we saw the last week, we saw the uh, two of the, uh, sorry, the first two are the outward qualities. Then we just saw last week the two inward qualities, and we have one more inward quality that we're going to look at, and that is purity. Purity. Have any of you, especially you men in this auditorium this morning, ever bought a piece of jewelry? Lift your hands. Okay. Checking it out. And most of you men, you know about 10 karat gold and 14 karat gold and 24 karat gold. It means nothing to almost everybody else, but to the guy, it means a lot because the higher the gold content, the more expensive that piece of jewelry becomes. But buying a diamond to go with that jewelry, that in itself is an altogether another experience. I remember for the very first time going into a jewelry store, and I was looking for a a replacement for uh, the diamond that I had originally in my wife's wedding ring, her engagement ring. And when I walked and I, I took it out of my pocket, it was no longer there. I thought, okay, it's in my pocket. No, it wasn't. Lost it. Don't know where. And so went in, had to get a new one. And so I got a lesson on diamond quality. And he said, look in here. And he goes, every diamond is going to have a black speck in it of some sort. The more black specks that are in there, the less the quality is. And he he goes, now look at this one. And I looked at it, and it was beautiful. It was magnificent. I only could see one little black spot in there. I knew that if I found a black spot that he was not selling me a cubic zirconium because those are all fake. And so I looked and I said, this is the one, I want it. And then he gave me the price tag for it. And I'm thinking to myself, is my wife worth this? I thought of that for about one one millionth of a second. Of course my wife was worth it. And I bought that diamond to put in that ring because I found out that the less black stuff inside of the diamond, the rarer and more pure that that diamond really is. Today's society, purity is rare. It's rare in today's society. You are more likely to find a person who does not live a pure life than one who does. The difference is we have the choice to be like others, or we can be the few who live their lives differently. Purity is the hardest of all the inward qualities, and it is something that we must fight for, especially in today's society. If you are there in Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse number 19, the Bible says, now the works of the flesh are evident. They're evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. These are those that you, you know can tell the future. They can summon evil spirits through charms and magical spells. That's what this is. Enmity, that's hostile feelings. Strife, which means to quarrel. Jealousy. We see that quite a bit, don't we? Fits of anger. This is throwing a temper tantrum because you didn't get your way. Fits of anger. Rivalries. Doing whatever it takes to get ahead even if it means telling lies about another person. Boy, do we see that in the news all the time, don't we? Dissensions, people who are sowing discord, divisions, envy. We're envy because we're jealous of what other people have. Drunkenness or alcoholism, orgies, those are wild sexual parties. And things like these, and Paul says, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. There is a battle coming in your life, and you had better be prepared and ready for it. Why? Because the enemy has surrounded us. Impurity is all around us today. It's in the lives of the people we know. It's in the books we read. It's in the movies that we attend. And the the shows that we watch on television or on our computer or what I think is one of the most dangerous devices today are cell phones because they can be concealed so that it doesn't look like anybody knows what we're doing. We're in a battle for our mind, and unless we protect it, we are going to lose. Spiritual battles can be long and fierce. We must be fully equipped by putting on the entire, not just the pieces we want to put on, but to put on the entire armor of God. We are given this armor so that we may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The word wiles there are the tricks. The devil is the biggest trickster that's ever been. He knows your weakest area and he'll attack it. And if you're a Christian, he knows that you cannot lose your salvation. However, he will do whatever it takes to destroy your testimony for Jesus Christ. Because he knows if you de- he destroys your testimony for Jesus Christ, nobody else will want to be saved because of the life that you're leaving, leading. He's out to destroy your testimony if you're a Christian. And so Ephesians 6 gives us the pieces of the armament that we need for protection. And one of the most important pieces is the breastplate of righteousness. That's one of the most important pieces. Why? Because it protects our heart. If we don't want to live a righteous life as a Christian, then we are going to leave a gaping hole in our armament, and we will be susceptible to for an attack that could kill us. Paul instructs us in Ephesians 6 several times to do one thing, and that is to stand, to stand. This gives us a picture that we're not marching. That's what most people think we're doing while we're in the the spiritual warfare as we're marching along. No, we're standing firm. We're guarding the fortress of our soul. And we are protecting our testimony for Christ at all costs. Ephesians 6, 12 tells us, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the cosmic powers over this present darkness and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5 tells us, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh but have divine power to destroy destroy strongholds or to destroy fortresses. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and listen to this, take take every thought captive. Why do we need to do that? We need to take our thoughts, and what we need to do with our thoughts is to make them a prisoner of this spiritual warfare that we're in. If we take our thoughts and we make them a spirit, we, we take them captive, we put them in prison so they cannot do any harm to us, we're taking them as prisoners of war, but most of us don't do that. We would rather live for the world than we would live for Christ. James 4, 7 tells us to submit ourselves to God, resist or take a stand against the devil, and he will. We've all heard this word: "Flee from you." What it is saying is, the devil. You flee. That you resist him. You go against him, and the devil's going to escape from you. If you've. Ever, I don't know if anybody ever lives next to a, a prison, but if you did, it's probably one of the safest places to live. Because if you live right next to the prison and a prisoner escapes, do you think they're going to come to your house to hide out? They are going to run as far as they can to get away from that prison that they were entrapped in. And that's what Satan's doing with your life. You want to resist him, it's going to be as though he's escaping from you. He doesn't want to be near you. And he's running as far as he can and as fast as he can away from you. Second, we also need to know how and what our enemy does look like. Paul did not want us to underestimate the power of our enemy. And he says in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, 14, and Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. An angel of light. When he appeared before Eve in the Garden of Eden, he was not snub snake that everybody believes in because we would all run from a snake. He was not this hideous-looking creature that we would all, like, run from if we saw it. He was beautiful and gorgeous. Some even believe that he had the appearance of an angel. He should have. Why? He was an angel. He was a fallen angel, but he was an angel, and he tricked Eve, and he's still tricking all of us today, because when he appears as an angel of light, it makes it difficult for us to understand who the enemy is when he looks just like us. It used to be, I don't know how many of you, I'm going to date myself right now, how many of you, you love to watch The Lone Ranger and Tonto. The Lone Ranger had a mask on. He had a white hat, and he had a white horse named Silver. And every episode on television, my dad listened to it on the radio, and all of it was was in his mind. Then it came to TV, and I got to see it. But every episode, you knew who the good guy was and who the bad guy was. Because the good guy always wore a white hat. The bad guy always wore a black hat. But that's not what the Bible's telling us about the devil. He's telling us that he looks just like you and me. And so it's going to be difficult to resist him when he looks like us. But we're being attacked on all of these five areas that I've gone over the last several weeks. We're being attacked in our speech, our conduct, which is our lifestyle, our faith love, and of course, purity. Why are we being attacked? Why did Paul mention these five things to Timothy to do these five things? Because he knew that they were the most important areas of one's life. He also knew that purity was the most delicate, and if purity was to be ruined, it would be the costliest. The first thing I want you to notice this morning is this. Purity does not give you the right to do anything you want to do with your body. Let me repeat that. Purity does not give you the right to do anything you want to your body. As Americans, we love to talk about our rights, don't we? At times, we get even angry, and we feel that our rights have been infringed upon. But when we come to Christ, we give up our rights. We may have freedom of speech, but in Christ we understand that we should not say anything that we, should, that we would want to say. The same goes for our purity. Our body does not belong to, uh, to us, it belongs to Christ. And we've given up that right to mistreat it. I like how the contemporary English version puts it in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. In verses 18 and 20, it says, Do not be immortal. It's, do not be immoral in matters of sex. That is a sin against your own body, in a way that no other sin is. You surely know that your body is a temple where the Holy Spirit lives. The Spirit is in you. The Holy Spirit is in you and is a gift from God. You are no longer your own. God paid a great price for you. So use your body to honor God have you ever heard of the term propaganda propaganda is not the same as news although they use news uh, sources to promote propaganda but according to Oxford Dictionary propaganda is information especially of a biased and misleading nature used to promote a political cause a point or point of view It is intended to affect the way people believe and feel about war and government. During World War II, Adolf Hitler controlled all of the media in Germany. And listen, folks, I've been around the block a while. Every single president since I can remember has been Adolf Hitler reincarnated. So just keep that in mind. I don't care who it is. He's always been Adolf Hitler somewhere. It's, you know, just get over it. That's all I'm going to say. But during World War II, he controlled the media, and he began to spread lies about his enemies, and he wrote while in prison a book by the name of Mein Kampf, which means My Struggle, and he said in that book, the art of propaganda lies in understanding the emotional ideas of the great masses. And finding through a psychologically correct form the way to the attention and thence to the heart of the broad masses. The fact that our bright boys do not understand this merely shows how mentally lazy and conceited they are. Hitler mentions this, that propaganda is emotional. It's not intellectual. he he then goes on to say, our students are mentally lazy. They will soak up any lie that you will give them. They will soak up any lie they, they see on television. They will think it's the truth. You think that's not happening today? Just go on any social media, throw something out there, they will believe that it's the truth. Without doing any research, intellectually, to find out what the truth actually is. It's still going on today. We are being bombarded with messages that tell us that we can have sex without consequences, that we can live immoral lives, but still have peace and contentment with Jesus Christ, and that we can mistreat our bodies any way we want. Back in 1973, there was a big case that we hear about every January 20th roe versus wade where women said that an abortion is a woman's right it's their body it's their choice well the bible contradicts that by the way and it spread so far down that now in 2019 i can't even fathom this but in 2019 two governors of new one in new york one in virginia have now signed laws That now grants doctors who have taken the Hippocratic oath to protect human life at all costs, it has now given them the ability to kill a baby even after birth. And they got a standing ovation for signing it. Not only does our purity give us the right to do anything we want to our body, but secondly, purity protects you from danger. Abstinence is your best defense for not getting any type of sexual disease. A pure lifestyle will help keep you safer than a lifestyle that involves sex, violence, and drugs. Young people and old people alike, it doesn't matter who you are, you need to be careful who you hang around with as they can influence you on the choices that you make. Proverbs chapter 1 tells us, my child, Obey the teachings of your of your parents and wear their teachings as you would a lovely hat or a pretty necklace. Keep them close to you, he says. Don't be tempted by sinners to listen. Or when you say, hey, come on, let's gang up and kill somebody just for the fun of it. They're well and healthy now, but we'll finish them off and once and for all. And we'll take their valuables and fill their homes with our sto- with their stolen goods. If you join our gang... You will get your share. And then Solomon says, don't follow anyone like this or do what they do. The third thing that we need to realize is that it doesn't make sense for a Christian to live like a non-Christian. It doesn't make sense for a Christian to live like a non-Christian. John chapter 5, beginning of verse 15, tells us, do not love the world nor the things that it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure. It offers you a craving for everything we see. And then it also tells us of the pride of our achievements and possessions. These are the things that we own and we have. We're proud of them. They are not from the Father, he continues, but are of the world. And the world is fading away along with everything that the people crave. But anyone who does what God pleases will live forever. This is a very logical conclusion for us to fight for our purity. It doesn't make any sense to become a Christian and then not live like one. When we live for Christ, We take on his values and we give up the world's values. Romans 6, 2 tells us, what shall we say then? Are we to continue to sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin live in it? What we as Christians are to do, and what we do in this world is we make compromises with the world. Compromises. Though that, that word compromise, it is a subtle in, enemy of ours that will eventually damage your life and your purity. We want to get as close to the world as Christians, and yet we want to keep our testimony intact. This is how compromise works. We inch closer and closer to the things that we should avoid, and we do it through compromise. Remember Lot in the Bible? We see Lot and Abraham looking over two massive pieces of land. Abraham tells his nephew, Lot, take whatever you want, and I'll go the opposite direction. And Lot looks around, and he sees virtually barren land over here. And he looks over here and he sees plush land. He sees Sodom and Gomorrah and all these cities in the distance. He looks again and looks again. Probably asked his uncle Abraham, are you sure you want to do this? Abraham's, I'm sure. And so Lot chose what was appealing to the eye. And we see the beginning of his downfall. We see that he pitches his tent towards Sodom. He's looking at Sodom and all the beauty. And he's away back from the city at this moment. And then the next time we see him, we see him inside the city. And then later on, we see him in Genesis that not only is he inside the city, he is now a a bigwig in the city. He's now sitting with all the intellectual guys at the gate of the city. He's talking with them on a daily basis. And here's the sad thing. Abraham, his uncle, begged God, if just 10 righteous people, would you save Sodom and Gomorrah? And the whole time Lot was there, they couldn't find 10 righteous people. And the last time we see Lot, he's running for his life out of the city because Sodom and Gomorrah were going to be uh, ruined and destroyed. The same goes for us. We look at the enticement of sin and we tell ourselves, we're not going to be affected by it. We read our Bibles and then turn around and we pick up 50 shades of gray. Some of you are laughing because you probably read it. And we tell ourselves, it's just a great novel. I avoid all the stuff that's in there that deals with all the the other stuff that's not biblical. I just kind of got it, but it's a good novel. We tell ourselves that we'll go to a party and we'll drink a little bit, but we won't get drunk. Because we know how much we can handle. We've got ourselves under control. We tell ourselves that we won't watch any pornography, but it's okay to watch a little bit of nudity in a movie or a TV show. That's not going to hurt me any. We'll go over to our boyfriend or girlfriend's house, knowing that their parents are not home, and they'll say, we're not going to go too far. I don't know how many young women I have counseled that have told me that, and then they always tell me this same story after they found out that she's pregnant, one thing led to another. We don't think it's going to happen to us. We justify having sex and living together before marriage because we are now engaged and we're going to be married anyway. We want to make sure that we're compatible. Listen, Almighty God created you. He knows you're going to be compatible don't worry about it. Then before we realize we've compromised our values and we've messed our lives up, it's that subtle compromise in our lives that lead us into an ambush if we're not careful. For those of you that may not know, an ambush is when an enemy waits for a surprise attack because you know you're, he knows you're not ready for it. Our enemy the devil works the very same way. He hides himself, and he waits for just the right moment to attack you. And when you are at the most vulnerable, and when you and he will attack you when you least expect it. What does 1 Peter 5, 8 says? Be on your guard and stay awake. Your enemy, the devil, is like a roaring lion sneaking around to find someone to attack. And he will attack you at your weakest Point. Finally, a life of purity is rewarding. Purity is a reward. Sometimes we get things backwards in the Christian life. We think that purity has to be a burden rather than a blessing. But Christ calls people with living a pure life, he calls them blessed or happy. Now, blessings and happiness, to me, Don't show any kind of burdens. Purity has to be fought for. And I want to tell you something, young people and old people alike. It's worth the fight. It's worth the fight. So what can we do? Now, I'm going to talk to everybody. Most of you in this room say, well, this message does not pertain to me. Okay, just wait. How can we... What can we do for this uh, in this battle for purity? First thing that you need to do is to develop a game plan. Develop a game plan for purity. Ask God for wisdom, understanding, insight, and knowledge. It's found in Proverbs chapter 2. Read it when you go home. Ask God. I ask for this every single day. I want wisdom. I want understanding. I want insight. I want knowledge. Secondly, Don't listen to the subtle words of the world. In Proverbs chapter 2, Solomon says, wisdom will save you from the immoral woman, from the seductive words of the promiscuous woman. She has abandoned her husband and ignores the covenant she made before God. Entering her house leads to death and and its road leads to the grave. The man who visits her is doomed. The third thing that we need to do is avoid situations that could potentially be dangerous to us. I want you to look in Proverbs chapter 7. Turn there if you would. I want you to highlight some things, underlight some things. Because those of you that are parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, you can pass along this to somebody else. Proverbs chapter 7. I'm going to begin in verse number 5. Proverbs 7 and verse number 5. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, but look at yours today. Love wisdom like a sister. Make insight a beloved member of your family. Let them protect you from an affair with an immoral woman, from listening to the flattery of the promiscuous woman. Now, Solomon says the same thing three times in the first seven chapters of Proverbs. If you do what I do, you read a proverb a day you have 31 days, there's 31 Proverbs. Now, in the shorter months, do what you want with it. But read a proverb a day and you'll see it. But Solomon, in all of his wisdom, says this same story three times, virtually the same story. Let's continue on. Verse number six. While I was at the window of my house looking through the curtain, I saw some naive young men and one in particular who lacked common sense. He was crossing the street near the house of an immoral woman. He knew where he was going, where he was at. Strolling down the path by her house. Probably saying, it's not going to affect me. I just want to see what what she looks like. I just want to see what her house looks like. I'm not going to get too close to her. And he walks near her house. And look at this. Sin loves darkness, by the way. It was at twilight in the evening as deep darkness fell. As deep darkness fell. Probably had no moon out that night. The moon at least gives you some light. The woman approached him, seductively dressed and sly of heart, She was the brash, rebellious type, never content to stay at home. She is often in the streets and markets soliciting at every corner. And she threw her arms around him and kissed him. Any guy would probably melt at this point. Oh, I've been waiting for you. You know, and just kissing on and he feels like, oh, she likes me. No, she doesn't. She's using you. She threw her arms around him and kissed him, and with the brazen look said, I've made my peace offerings and I have fulfilled my vows. You are the one I was looking for. For I came out to find you, and here you are. My bed is spread with beautiful blankets and with colored sheets of Egyptian linen. I have performed my bed, I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, alloys, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our drink, our fill of love until morning. Let's enjoy each other's caresses. Yet, look at this. For my husband is not at home. She's married. He's away on a long trip. He has taken his wallet full of money with him and won't return until later this month. The boy's probably thinking, I got many days of this coming to me. So she seduced him with her pure, pretty speech and enticed him with her flattery. He followed her at once, like an ox going to the slaughter. He was like a stag caught in a trap, awaiting the arrow that would pierce his heart. He was like a bird flying into a snare, little knowing it would cost him his life. Then Solomon says, listen to me, my sons, and pay attention to my words. Don't let your heart stray away towards her. Don't wander down her wayward path. Stay as far away as from her house as possible is what he's saying. For she has been ruined by many, many men have been her victims. 1 Thessalonians 5.22 tells us to stay away from every kind of evil. We should never be alone with our boyfriend and girlfriend. We should always make sure there are other people around. When I, listen, I'll tell you, when I dated my wife, we had somebody that attended this church at the time, lived kind of catty corner, you know, from from uh, her house, and I would go over. She actually called Pastor Summers up and said, you're not going to believe this, David was up until 1 o'clock in the morning sitting in the driveway talking to Kathleen. What she didn't know was her dad was inside the house up because I would get take her inside and then I'd say, Hey Bubba, I'll see you later, man. But yet she wanted thinking I was doing something wrong. I always made sure there were other people around. I never wanted to put myself in a compromising position. Some of us need to shut off our computers. We need to shut off our cell phones when you are at the weakest moment in your life. And don't watch the things that you should not be watching. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, we're set aside all the sins that doth easily beset us. I'm going to be honest with you this morning. This is my easily beset sin. And if I'm not careful, it can ruin my life. What that means is everything I have done for 40 years in the ministry would be wiped out in a minute. Everybody that I had an impact on in my life would no longer, they'd say, well, I, if Dave's going to live that way, I. Can't. I'm not going to believe anything anybody else says after that. I could take a lot of people with me, and I don't want that. So we need to shut off the things that we shouldn't be watching. We need to be alert in our lives for temptations. We need to find the escape door. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, No temptation has taken you that is common to man. And God is faithful and will with, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, get this now, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. There's an escape route somewhere every time you're tempted. You've got to look for it though. It's there. Most of the time, we don't want to see it or we don't want to look for it. We need to avoid the music and the movies and the TV shows and clothing that represent or promote an impure lifestyle. Be careful is what I'm saying. Just be careful. I'm not saying it's all wrong. I'm just saying be careful. And it's different for everybody. Sometimes we need to put on blinders. If you don't know what blinders are. They are things that horses have that they put on them when you go to the racetrack and they're like this so that they have tunnel vision. They have tunnel vision so that they don't see the horses coming on the side of them and become distracted and cause an accident or lose the race. And so when I'm walking with my wife, I have to put blinders on. I want to tell you a secret. Before I started dating my wife, I looked at other women. I thought they were hot. I thought they were good looking. And do you think it stopped the day I stood up here on this platform and I saw my wife coming down that aisle and I looked at her and she was the most beautiful thing and she was crying and I had allergies that day? And we sat up, we stood up here and we said, I do to each other. Do you think I stopped looking? No, I just had to put blinders on because I didn't want to do anything. There's times in the mall she will tell me, Did you see that person? Uh, and I, I, I don't, I really don't. Most of the time, if you see me walking, I'm walking down. I don't, unfortunately, I haven't ran into a lot of things. I do. I look down because I know it could be a weak area in my life. And then I always love it when my wife says, honey, did you see that girl? Do you think she's cute? Guys, never, ever, 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 I don't know if I ever said enough evers, but never admit that she was cute. You always say, you are much better looking, honey. Put on blinders if you need to. Have an accountability partner. My wife is my accountability partner. My wife is my accountability partner. If you go into my office right over here, my desk is in a corner unit. I don't sit behind a desk. My desk is in a corner. I got two big computer screens. I got two open doors so that if anybody walks in my office and looks at my computer, they will see what I've got going on because I can't hear them coming in, and I don't know what I, I, my computers are always up, and I'm working on things. I want people to hold me accountable when I'm on my computer. My phone, the same way. I try to make sure that I'm in a position Even at home with, you know, if I'm on my phone, I I get on Facebook and Twitter at night just because I want to see what other people are doing. And so I'll be there at night, but I try to position myself so that if Kathleen glances over, if my daughters come and sit on my lap or whatever, that I'm not ashamed of what I have on my phone. It's easy to get down here and pull up something and then, then hit that off button as soon as they come up by you, hmm. I want to protect myself. I don't listen folks. I don't always succeed at it. I don't always succeed. But what I am doing, I'm trying. I'm trying my best. Because I will accept God's forgiveness and I want God's forgiveness for those times that I have failed. First John 1:9 tells us if we confess our sins, If we turn from our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hebrews 8.12 says, for I will be merciful towards their iniquities or their sins and I will remember them no more. And then I love this one. Psalm 103.12, as far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions and our sins from us. Aren't you glad he didn't say as far as the north is from the south? Because if you go from the north to the south, you will eventually go north again, right? But if you go east and try to catch up to the west, you will always be going east. Always. And the Bible says he has thrown our sins that far. They're never going to come back around to us. Paul told Timothy to set the example in these five areas, speech, conduct, love, faith, purity. He told him to do these not to the non-believer. He said, set the example to the believers. Why? Because they will be the ones that hold you accountable as to how you live. They will be the ones that encourage you they will be the ones to root you on and say, keep on going, you're doing a great job. They will see what kind of character you have because they will see these things lived out in your life. It is my prayer that we will put these things into practice in our lives. And if we all helped each other out and we encouraged one another, and we rooted what everybody on that was struggling with sin in their life, what kind of person would they become? What example would you set for others to follow? What kind of church would we become together as a community of believers? And what kind of impact would we have on our community and the world at large? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your grace. The Lord, we stumble, we fail, we mess our lives up. But God, we are thankful that you are faithful. We are thankful that you are just. We are thankful that you are filled with grace and mercy. And So we lay ourselves prostrate at your feet. Help us, oh God, to be the kind of Christians that we need to be in this world. Not just now to the believers, oh God, but let the non-believers see a different lifestyle that they would crave to have. Bless this church. Bless these people. Help us to do what we need to do to live for you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.